Welcome to episode 11 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with Navy veteran Jerry Maniscalco. A Mississippi native, Jerry first picked up a guitar at 16, and he's been writing and performing original music ever since. In 2003, he entered the U.S. Naval Academy, graduating in 2007 and entering service as a SH-60B Seahawk pilot. During his time in the Navy, which included three deployments and a remote tour, he found that music allowed him to unwind and escape. Jerry recorded two songs on Operation Encore's debut compilation album, The Upbeat Wake Up, and Operation Encore's unofficial anthem, We Are. He rejoined Operation Encore for the second album with Waiting, written from the perspective of a pilot's spouse waiting for her husband to return home. Jerry continues to write music and play locally in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Let's get into my conversation with Jerry and come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. You were a Navy helicopter pilot, and now you've transitioned out of the military. How was that for you? It was interesting. I think my transition, it was planned, but it wasn't planned for a long time. It just kind of happened. I finished my tour, my last tour as a helicopter instructor in 2016, which was right after I got married and moved to Bahrain for a year to serve as personal recovery for NAVSINT. And while I was out there, I had some time to think about where I was going. So I was at the point where if I didn't get out, I was going to stay in for 20. And that was just, that's a given at that point, really, I think. And met a friend who was taking a class along with me. He was a reservist and said, hey, have you ever thought about getting your MBA if you want to go out a, a different direction? And I said, no, not really. But then I did start thinking about it. And I wanted to make sure, one, that I had time to dedicate to my family. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but it, it was. So that really didn't matter to me as much early on in my career because I wasn't married. But then as soon as I got married, I realized how difficult that is spending your first year of marriage away from your spouse. And I also wanted something a little bit different. I wanted to challenge myself in areas that I didn't have experience in. And so the MBA seemed like a logical transition out of the military. So that's what I did. I left at the 10-year point and wanted to go right into the NBA, but couldn't take the GMAT out in Bahrain, not because it wasn't available, but because of the hours that we were working, it just, it didn't make sense to try for it. So I ended up taking a year between active duty Navy and starting my MBA at the University of Michigan. I spent that year being a professional musician slash stay-at-home dad in Jacksonville, Florida. and 
during that time frame played, it was probably almost a hundred shows in the Jacksonville, Florida area. So that was my transition. It was very disjointed. I would say going from living in Bahrain, active duty, moving home, we had our first kid and then to professional musician, trying to be a dad and put together applications for business school and take the GMAT and then moving to Michigan, doing an MBA for two years and then moving again. Now we're in Charleston, South Carolina. It wasn't the smoothest transition ever. I don't think. I'm sure people have planned better and had better experiences, but it was definitely interesting. Uh, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to take that year of my life and, and dedicate to music. I think one of the things that uh, most people don't realize is that uh, veterans will choose the hard path rather than the easy path. If you give us a path with all the obstacle course and then a shortcut, we're going to ignore the shortcut and take the hard way. That's so true. Yeah, there were definitely easier ways to do it, but I wanted to challenge myself, which I think is common among all veterans. Now, the idea of your transition, you said it was planned, but it wasn't planned for very long. And you were in for 10 years. Was there a point where sort of life after the Navy wasn't a concept for you? There's this wall of fog that that you don't even think that it's likely going to be. And at what point did that sort of shift for you? Yeah, it was, it was a wall of not even fog. It was more of a brick wall for nine years. I mean, really, until I got to that point in my career, I, I hadn't thought about life after the Navy. I, I had a vision of it in my head of, oh, someday I'll, I'll do this. But I didn't really think it out. And I didn't really have a way to get there, which I think is really the most important bit of it. But I think... It was really around that time where I was coming up on my first look for 04 and my class was kind of split in half and I was just below the cutoff line. So I wasn't even going to get looked at for another year. I just, well, you know, I can go to the, the war college was kind of on my radar doing a master's there could do that. Or if I didn't want to do that, I could do the MBA thing. And I think that was really when I started thinking about what other options are there outside of the military. And, and I, I didn't know where to start at all. Nothing, literally nothing, no clue. None of my friends had done it. And even the ones that had were still reservists and coming from the pilot community, most people want to continue flying after military. And I knew that I didn't, I had flown a lot. I, at that point, I had over 2,600 flight hours, and I knew that I didn't want to do that for a living anymore. I still want to fly, but go rent a plane or something like that. I didn't want to do it for a living. I didn't want to be a slave to the flight schedule. And so the idea of just going out on my own and not talking to an airline, not talking to the oil companies to go fly helicopters out to oil platforms. That was really the standard transition. And what I was doing, I didn't know anybody that had done it. That's what took so long, I think. I'm a very meticulous person. And if I don't have a good concept of where I'm going, I'm not going to pull the trigger and, and go that route, if that makes sense at all. It absolutely does. And for a lot of service members, maybe especially if there is a skilled trade. So I was in logistics in the military. I had no desire to go run a warehouse or to, to yeah. be a, a dispatcher or something like that. Leaving the military is difficult in and of itself. And the redefining yourself after leaving the military adds a, an additional strain. The stay-at-home dad and a, a practicing musician was music something that has been with you throughout your time in the Navy, maybe before that? 
Yeah, music has always been a part of my life. My my mom sings. She's a singer. She plays piano. My dad was in a band back in the day. And I really got involved in music, music, as it were, in probably eighth or ninth grade, doing musicals. So I had that side to me in in high school. My senior year, I was Joseph and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But I knew that I didn't want to do musical theater for the rest of my life. It was great to have that experience, but that was right around the time I picked up a guitar. And it was to learn a song as part of this little ensemble that we were singing. Uh, we were singing Because by the Beatles, Abbey Road. My dad split split the CD and I thought, oh, that sounds super easy. They're just, it's just a picking kind of thing. And I'll just pick the guitar up. I'll learn this one song, put it down and that'll be it. And it's a lot harder than it sounds. I had, I didn't have a full appreciation for the Beatles at that point. I do now, but it kind of stuck. And I kept playing, kept playing. I didn't actually start writing music until I got to Jacksonville, Florida. That was after graduation from the Naval Academy, after flight school. I mostly played ACDC, just crank the amp when you have friends over doing what young flight school students do on weekends and sometimes weekdays. I started writing music when I got to Jacksonville and I had a friend that really encouraged me to do it. We would play open mic nights and that's kind of how I started filtering in my own music to in between a couple cover songs something like that just to get comfortable with it and i never stopped writing after that through your transition and the expression of creativity through music how did you get connected with operation encore so i actually connected with operation encore in 2014 i was still active duty at the time and there was a, a fellow in my squadron who sent me an email said, said hey here are these guys these air force guys they're musicians they typically did comedy songs and that sort of stuff but they're looking to start this new program and pull in veteran musicians active duty retired military spouses as well send me the email said hey send them what you got and that's probably probably looking for something that's not me i didn't write about the military directly it wasn't a red white and blue beer drinking banner kind of song writing that I had. And I thought that's what they were looking for. And so I said, I'll just send Rob Raymond, who's the, one of the founders. I'll send him one of these songs and just see what happens. So I sent him a song, a sample of one that I had done at home said, cool, I like it. What else you got? Oh, okay. Here's another one that I've been working on. It's not done. I don't have a full recorded song to give you. And so I sent him an acoustic recording and he put in a bass line, had some drums in there within a week. And I was hooked. And so over the next few years, we released two compilation CDs with Operation Encore, multiple artists on there. And for those of the listeners who aren't familiar with Operation Encore, it is a nonprofit organization that really has two purposes. One is to take veteran musicians who are established musicians and take their music to the next level. And, and for that goal, that focus, it's really where the music leads. It's not, here's a veteran that also writes music. It's, no, these are legitimate musicians. And if you listen to the music, you say, oh, that's a good song first. And then you realize, oh, they're writing about experiences in the military. But the other benefit of that is music is such a great medium. It's something that everyone can relate to. The other goal of Operation Encore is to bridge the gap between civilians and, and veterans. And over the years, especially after I transitioned out of the military, I realized that there are a lot of people who don't understand the challenges of being in the military. They want to. It's not that 
people are ignorant. It's just different. And so music is a great way to convey those experiences where you don't have to get into a lot of the military jargon and you can just sit down and listen to a story. And that's really what it's about for me. And post-transition during that year when I was playing music professionally, Operation Encore piloted a program where they started doing EPs just for a specific artist. So four or five songs produced, recorded by professional musicians. And that is the coolest thing I've done musically because I could send a song off and bounce ideas off of a producer or just let them go with it. And the creativity is great because for me, I used to just sit down at a computer. I would record my acoustic guitar. Then I'd have to come up with a, a drum track. And then I'd have to, and that's literally just clicking on dots on the screen. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I wanted a drummer to just say, hey, here's here's the song. Let's put something together. Get a bass player. Let's here Here's your, your part. And you do this. And that's exactly what Operation Encore did for me with my EP called Bold Enough to Try. And that's where the song Don't Kill the Messenger comes in that you guys picked up. Thank you, by the way, as the theme music for your podcast. You know, that's it's really great to hear those dual missions. One, they're not highlighting veterans who happen to be musicians. They're highlighting musicians who happen to have served in the military. And that's maybe a subtle distinction, but it is a distinction. And then that idea of music as a communication method, using this specifically to help people who may not have an understanding of the military access that understanding in a different way, rather than just like reading an article or something. Yeah. And I didn't always appreciate the power of music as it related to veterans. When I started writing music, I thought that I had to separate Navy Jerry from Music Jerry, that they were really two separate things because I had never seen a veteran who just talked about their experiences and played just regular music. And so for the longest time, I didn't mingle the two. And that got old. Also, it didn't make for good music at all. Because what I realized as I went to these open mics and these songwriting night is that the best musicians and songwriters had stories to tell. And they were telling their own stories and they were honest, they were raw. And in my music, when I separated the two, my military experiences and the music, it wasn't honest. It was just different. It was fine, but it wasn't good. And once I got over that and let the two co-mingle, which Operation Encore really helped me to do and introduced me to other musicians who are writing really raw, good, good stuff, much better than mine, by the way. It wasn't until then that I was okay with telling my story. We wouldn't be having this conversation with Jerry five, six years ago. It just wouldn't have happened. I wasn't that open about what I did. You know, and there's a level of authenticity is what I'm hearing you say, right? By separating Navy Jerry from musician Jerry, neither of those two were fully authentic because you were both a Navy veteran and a musician. You mentioned Don't Kill the Messenger. I, I love it. I really appreciate the folks at Psych Armor working with Operation Encore and you to bring it in and, and make it part of the show. But people like to hear about the story behind that, the story behind the songs. What's the story behind Don't Kill the Messenger? This one actually has a really good story, and it's probably not what you would expect to hear because the impetus for the song and the title has nothing to do with the subject matter of the song. Okay, a brief, brief helicopter explanation. So I flew the SH-60 Bravo helicopter, and they're made to land on the backs of not aircraft carriers, so destroyers, cruisers, 
frigates. And there is a system that was designed to be used in rough weather, maybe some types of emergencies where you lower a cable from the helicopter and attach it to the, the flight deck. And after a series of movements, the, the cable pulls the helicopter down to the flight deck. If you know anything about helicopters or even just basic physics, you understand that attaching a cable to a helicopter is not generally a good idea. But that cable, the first cable that goes down is called the messenger cable. Now, to attach that cable to the deck, you have to have people outside standing directly underneath the helicopter to grab the thing, hook it in. And now you're starting to see why a lot of pilots didn't like this particularly in bad weather or emergency situations, you don't want somebody directly underneath your helicopter. There was one young sailor who had a proclivity for not doing things quite right. A couple of safety things, and when we were practicing one of these types of landings, he somehow got the messenger cable wrapped around his neck. And luckily, we had checks and balances in place. We had safety observers out there. I was down on the flight deck talking directly to the pilot. The pilot came down, eased off the slack, and we were able to get him out of there. And days later, weeks later, we started to joke about it and started calling that guy the messenger. And the joke became, don't kill the messenger. But it, it kind of spawned off this song about life's very short and you only have one chance really to do it. How are you going to use it? What are you going to do with your life? And that's what the song is really about. In the the message, and and as I listen to the song, and it's interesting to hear that I imagine you as the artist being the messenger. Don't kill the messenger because it, it does have that double meaning of of I'm just the guy that's telling you this. Don't don't hate me because I'm speaking the truth. But but it's also literally do not kill the messenger. Yeah, multiple levels to that one. Some of which you probably didn't expect. But yeah, and that's the cool thing about the the analogy is the musician. And the music itself, it's temporary, but the message is enduring. And I hope that's what people can take away from it, no matter how you relate to it or what line in the song you, you pick up on. And so the message in the song, you give some different analogies. I think when we first connected, you talk about heroes in there. You talk about mountains. You talk about lions. You talk about these large and majestic things. But, but the message of the song from your standpoint, what is that? I think... We spend a lot of time focused on things that don't necessarily matter in life. And so those big majestic references in the song, there's a hint of sarcasm to it. The hero, I am a hero only for today. It's, it's a play on, yeah, you're cool now, but when you leave, when you're gone, what did you actually do? What did you leave behind? And it's probably not the tallest rooftop around, which is in there as well. That doesn't matter really when you leave. What impact did you make, Jerry? What did I really do to make the world a better place when I was here and present and active in the community and other people's lives? What, what really matters? That's what I get out of it. And now you, Dwayne, listening to this song, you might get something else. And that's cool too. And that's the cool thing about music this song in particular is there are levels to it and whatever level you come in at that's cool as long as you relate to it that's cool and that's really the point of bridging the gap between the the veteran singer songwriter and putting something relatable out there that people who haven't flown a helicopter before that don't understand or you don't even have to think about any of that stuff that i just explained who would have known that that's what spurred this thought in my mind but everyone can relate to something and that's the cool thing about music 
and using that medium to put veteran stories out there and make them relatable. Oh, that's great, Jerry. I, I really appreciate that. If people wanted to find more about you, where can they find you and the work that you're doing? Yes, I am on Facebook. That's the best way to find me, facebook.com slash JM Acoustic Rock. If you want to find out more about Operation Encore, it's operationencore.org. You go to the website, you'll see a great video that was put out recently by Stephen Covell. It's a very, very raw song about veteran suicide. Please check that out. And then scroll through the list. There are links to everyone else's pages. Most of them are better than me. So I highly encourage you to check them out. So yeah. That's great. I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Excellent. Thank you for having me, Dwayne. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the points that I would like to talk about is how Jerry is one story of how someone transitions out of the military into post-military life. We often say transition to being a civilian, but that's not entirely accurate. You're no longer a civilian, you're a service member. And once you leave the military, you're no longer a service member, but you don't become a civilian again. You're this weird third thing, which is a mix of a service member and civilian, called being a veteran. It takes a change in a number of different things. I often describe the shift from military to veteran as changing to a different culture. It's like as if I spent 22 years in Ireland and now have to come back to live in Colorado. Sure, we speak the same language generally, but there are norms of behavior and ways of being that just aren't quite lined up. And that's what it's like to leave the military culture into non-military culture. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. They're just different enough to be noticeable. Take Jerry's comment about how he never considered what life would be like after the Navy until it became a consideration. For nine years, life outside the military was never in his mind. It's like if we never intend to move to Argentina, then we don't think about what life in Argentina would be like. Service members know, cognitively, that they won't be able to stay in the military forever, but it's not like something that seems even worth considering when you're in the military. I describe it, like I did in the conversation, as this wall of fog at the end of our time in the military. There's something out there, but we don't know what it is. And all transitions can be challenging. Anytime we go from one thing to another, there is a bit of a disruption. Think about a highway off-ramp or on-ramp or the rapids in the river or any other metaphor that you can think of about something going from one thing to another. Then there's some discomfort and unfamiliarity, and then hopefully comfort again when the new situation becomes familiar. Some problems occur when the transition is abrupt, whether due to our own way of looking at it or because of outside situations. Leaving the military abruptly is like going from 60 miles an hour to zero miles an hour in a matter of seconds. It's not easy to manage. And that's what transition can be like for many service members. And this leads me to my second point, creativity, for service members as a way to make the transition easier. I have seen for a lot of veterans that finding some creative outlet in post-military life can help veterans express themselves in new and interesting ways. It's a way to tell the stories that we want to tell without really telling them. Like Jerry's story about how he came up with the concept that life is short when a sailor almost got killed in a training accident. For those of you who haven't served, that story may have been shocking. It's an example of things that we don't often talk about in polite company, but even joking about it is an adaptive technique that helps veterans cope with a lot of the dangerous stuff that happens in the military. If you've listened to Don't Kill the Messenger, you wouldn't know that that was the story behind it. 
but it was Jerry's way of telling that story or the awareness about the temporary nature of life and the realization that we need to do something with our life before it's too late to do anything. Creativity comes in a lot of different forms. There are a lot of veterans who paint or write songs or do dozens of others of types of creative expression. I tried painting after the military and sculpting, but nothing really caught for me except when I started writing. And even this, hosting and producing podcasts, is a form of creativity. Other veterans make knives or dance or do artistic welding or make furniture or jewelry or any of a hundred of other things that we can do to express ourselves. If you're a veteran and are finding some challenges in post-military life, one suggestion is to find a creative outlet in your community that can allow you to express yourself. If you're a service member or a veteran and want to hear more thoughts about transition out of the military or you haven't served and want to learn more, check out this week's Psych Armor resource, What You Should Know About Transition. In this course, service members and veterans receive an introduction to the transition process and the many tools and resources available to assist them throughout their transition journey. Dr. Robert Gates, the former Secretary of Defense, and Howard Schultz, co-founder of the Schultz Family Foundation, provide service members and veterans with personal insight on the importance of building a transition plan, preparing a personal financial plan, and many other factors associated with transition from military service to the civilian sector. Sponsored by the Schultz Family Foundation, What You Should Know About Transition serves as an overview for a portfolio of courses available to help service members, veterans, and their families succeed during the transition out of the military. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM11, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, We would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.